0: Chapter 9 of One of My Sons by Anna Catherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 9 The Clock that Had Run Down. In the commotion which followed, I noted two things. First, that at sight of this violence from one brother to the other, Leighton drew back without offering assistance to the one or rebuke to the other secondly that alfred's show of anger ceased as soon as it had thus expended itself and that his next thought was for hope but he was not allowed to approach her the coroner now interfered with his authority and all words were forbidden between these members of a disrupted household till the police had finished an investigation which had now become as serious as the crime which had called it forth the search was for the little file which had held the acid and when it was generally understood that the investigation would not cease till this was found, Miss Meredith, who had clung to me as her one stay in this overturning of every other natural support, asked me in agitated tones if I thought her cousins would be subjected to personal search. As no other course was open to the police after the direct accusation which had just been made by the infuriated Alfred, I answered in the affirmative, whereupon she attempted to flee the place saying she could not endure to see them subjected to such humiliation but here alfred as if divining her thoughts offered his person to mr gryce with the remark i have nothing to conceal look through my pockets if you wish you will find nothing to reward your pains i am not the villain a growl of anger bridled but concentrated came from the other side of the room and I caught a sudden glimpse of George quivering under the restraining hands of Dr. Bennett and Sweetwater in a mad attempt to reach his brother, whom he seemed to curse between his teeth. "'If you search him, you must do the same to me,' were the words with which he seasoned his struggle. "'You will find nothing more incriminating on me than on him, probably less, for my pockets are always open, while his—' A gnash of his teeth finished these almost inarticulate phrases. He was not as easily roused as his brother, but more tenacious in his passions, and less readily appeased. "'Peace there! You shall both be satisfied,' interposed a businesslike voice. In face of these open accusations, the coroner felt himself relieved from the embarrassment which had hitherto restrained him, and made no further effort to hide his suspicions miss meredith who unconsciously to herself had drawn me as far as the drawing-room door in her efforts to escape the disquieting scene she had herself precipitated paused as these words left the coroner's lips and yielding to the terrible fascination of the moment caught my arm and clinging thus with both hands turned her eyes again upon the men under whose roof she had eaten slept and loved i loved as i knew by the tension of her body communicated to me by the pressure of her hands suddenly that pressure was removed her hands had flung to her eyes shuddering out the spectacle she could no longer confront nor was it easy for me to look on unmoved or view with even an appearance of equanimity the scene before me i have not mentioned Leighton. he had not come forward with the other two he allowed his pockets to be searched without a protest when his turn came though it was very evident that the proceeding caused him more suffering and a keener sensation of disgrace than it did the other two was this on the account of the superior sensitiveness of his nature or because he shrunk with a proud man's shame from the publicity entailed upon the anomalous articles which were drawn from his inner pockets when some few minutes later my eyes fell on these objects lying piled on the library table i marvelled over the character of a man who could gather and retain in one place a small prayer-book a lock of woman's hair the programme of some common music-hall and a photograph which after one glance i instinctively turned face downwards lest it should fall under the eye of his cousin whose delicacy could not fail to be hurt by it the file had not been found on any of the young gentlemen when miss meredith became aware that the ordeal was over she let her hands drop and stepped hastily into the drawing-room i did not follow her but remained in the doorway watching the detectives as they moved from room to room in the search which was now being extended to all parts of the house as i saw these men pass so quietly but with such an air of authority into rooms where a few hours before they would have hesitated to put foot even upon the genial owner's express invitation i experienced such a realization of the abyss into which this hitherto well-reputed family had fallen that i lost for a little while that sense of personal bitterness which the predictions evinced by miss meredith had so selfishly awakened BUT TO CONTINUE THE SUMMARY OF EVENTS Seeing Leighton withdraw upstairs, followed by an officer in plain clothes, who had appeared on the scene as if by magic, I could not refrain from asking why he was allowed to separate himself from the others, and was much moved at being informed that he had gone up to sit by his child's bed, that child who of all in the house had found her wanted rest that he could calm himself down to such a task under the eye of one who could have little sympathy with his feelings whether they were those of outraged innocence or self-accusing guilt struck me as the most pathetic exhibition of self-control i had ever known and more than once during the busy hour that followed i was visited by fleeting visions of this silent man sitting out the night under the watchful eye of one who moved if he so much as lowered his head to kiss the only cheek likely to smile upon him on the morrow, as it had smiled upon him to-day. That the search for the missing file was likely to be a long-continued one soon became apparent to every one. Two men who had carried the investigation into the room where the servants had been shut up since early evening, came back with the report that nothing had come to light in that quarter at the same time two more returned from above with a similar report in regard to the sleeping-rooms of the three brothers sweetwater and grice who had spent the last half-hour in the dining-room appeared to have an equally unsatisfactory tale to tell and i was wondering what move would now be made when i intercepted a glance from the coroner cast in the direction of the drawing-room and realized that the law was no respecter of persons and that she, she too, might be called upon to give proof of not having this tell-tale article upon her person. The prospect of such an indignity offered to one I regarded with more than passing admiration unnerved me to such an extent that I was hardly myself when Dr. Frisby advanced upon me with this remark. I regret the necessity, Mr. Uthwaite. "'but the emergencies of the case demand the same compliance on your part "'as on that of the other gentlemen found upon this scene of crime. "'It is needless to say that we have the utmost confidence in your integrity, "'but you were here when Mr. Gillespie died "'and have been close to a certain member of this family many times since, "'and, in short, it is a form which you, as a lawyer, will recognize and—' "'No apologies,' I prayed.' recalling the one son of mr gillespie who had not been on the scene of crime at the time of his father's death an intelligent glance from the coroner convinced me that he was thinking of him too indeed he seemed to be more than willing to have me understand that he exacted his thorough search in order to fix the crime on Leighton. "'for if the file was not to be found anywhere in the house, "'the necessary conclusion must be "'that it had been carried out of it "'by the one person known to have left it "'during the critical half-hour "'preceding Mr. Gillespie's death. "'I understand your thoughts,' "'quoth the coroner, "'who seemed to read my face like an open book. "'The file may have been smashed on the sidewalk "'or thrown into some refuse barrel, "'but that would be the unwisest thing "'a guilty man could do.' for its odor is unmistakable and once it is found by the men i will set looking for it at daybreak well what now sweetwater was whispering in his ear the child do i remember that the father suggested she should be put to bed undressed oh i cannot have you disturb the child used as i am to the subterfuges of criminals i find it impossible to believe that a father could make use of his child as a medium for his own safety or miss meredith the insidious whisperer went on or of miss meredith she may have the bottle on her own person but she would never pass it over to the child no no curb your extravagances and confine your attention to mr oothwaite who is kind enough to allow us to inspect his pockets Here the curtain at the drawing-room door was disturbed, and a pallid face looked forth. I pray you, came in entreaty from hope's set lips, spare this stranger, whose only crime has been to show kindness, to a man he did not know, in an extremity he did not understand. Search me, search Clare, but do not subject this gentleman to an act so injurious. I swear that the file is not on him, I swear. She hardly knew what she was saying. The heaped-up excitements of the last two hours were fast unsettling her reason. She held out her hands imploringly. I don't know why I care so much, she murmured in fresh expostulation, but I feel as if I could not bear it. From that moment I loved her though I knew this interposition in my behalf sprang from her womanly instinct rather than from the spontaneous impulse of a freshly awakened heart. I must have shown how deeply I was moved, for the coroner looked distressed, though he gave no signs of modifying his intention, and I was beginning to empty my pockets before his eyes when Sweetwater's expressive countenance showed a sudden change, and he rushed again to the rear. Here he stood a moment before the dining-room door, striking his forehead in wrathful indecision. Then he disappeared within, only to shout aloud in another instant. Fool! Fool! And I noticed when I first came in that the clock had stopped. See? See? We were at his side in an instant. He was standing by the mantelpiece, with the heavy French clock tilted up before our eyes. Under it, tucked away in the space allowed to the pendulum, we saw a small homeopathic bottle. There was one drop of liquid at the bottom, which, even before Mr. Grice lifted the bottle to his nose, we recognized by its smell to be prussic acid. The phial, which had held the deadly dose, was found. End of chapter 9